Coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers and sports from a Southern Indiana perspective. Welcome to Indiana basketball. Smart takes the shot, and the Hoosiers with three seconds. Go ahead. Indiana wins the championship. Keith Smart is the hero. When my time on earth is gone and my activities here are past, I want they bury me upside down and my critics can kiss my Now here's your host, Matt Dennison. It's Indiana, what I feel is the pinnacle, the absolute pinnacle of all of college basketball. And hello, welcome in. Monday edition of the show coming out of a bad loss, a bad weekend really for IU basketball all the way around. The men lose a tough game to Penn State on Saturday. I think I I didn't do full research on this, but I think it's safe to say it's the best or the worst. Let me get that correct. The worst loss under Mike Woodson. I think you would say that. I think most people would agree with that. Let me know if you don't. 502-414-1450 is the Thornton's text line. But just a really, really bad loss for Indiana. They were coming off a little momentum with the win over Iowa. Obviously battling some health issues, but Kalel Ware... Uh, continuing to play. Malik Renew was back. Um, you know, hope that they could move forward with another victory in this key month of February if this team's going to do anything. And absolutely uh, just a terrible, terrible loss at home. So uh, we'll break that down. We'll talk more about it. We'll look at what's ahead. But I remain steadfast with my opinion that this Indiana team, regardless basically of what happens moving forward, is just simply not an NCAA tournament team. And I have the feeling just from being out and about this weekend that most Indiana fans probably agree with that uh, take. I'm not even sure at this point it's a take. It's more of a fact. So, uh, But we'll see. A um, lot to still finish out this year with um, to see what this team can do moving forward. But obviously a really, really bad weekend for the Hoosiers. I mentioned a bad weekend all the way around for Indiana because the women also had a bad loss uh, to Ohio State. I think that game was on the road this weekend as well. So uh, definitely a tough weekend for IU basketball. But lots to get to. We'll stick with it. We'll recap it. We'll uh, look at the week ahead and we'll get into some local stuff today here on this Monday edition of the show. Let's look at the show lineup, a service of Honey Baked Ham in New Albany. Segment one in just a moment, we'll have our Hoosier headlines, a summary of the day's top IU and Southern Indiana sports news. We'll get into IU Penn State. We'll talk a little bit about the IU women, and we'll talk about really an unbelievable day, a great day of college basketball on Saturday and a big weekend. You had Purdue-Wisconsin yesterday, and uh, Purdue got a big win, a come-from-behind win over Wisconsin. Also went out to a girls' sectional championship game on Saturday. I want to talk about that in just a moment and a couple girls' things here in our headline uh, from sectional play over the weekend, and uh, then we'll uh, get into the rest of the show. Segment two, Zach Osterman of the Indianapolis Star joins. Zach is the IU beat writer for the Star he is with us on Mondays, and I'm going to ask him, Is this? does he agree that this was the worst loss of the Mike Woodson time at Indiana? Uh, we'll talk more about the Penn State game and what's next for Indiana when he's with us today. And then later in the show, Mondays is always the day we have Chad Gilbert, Charlestown Athletic Director, who's also an IHSA executive board member with us. We get into local sports and uh, the girls' sectionals. I'll be honest, if you look across the area, uh, not a good year for Clark and Floyd County uh, girls basketball in the postseason. And I think there probably are some reasons for that. But uh, really, Lanesville 
is our most local uh, champion. And the good news is I think Lanesville can win another 1A state championship. So we'll talk a little bit about the girls' sectional. Chad's had a girls' sectional at Charlestown. He's got a regional coming up. We'll get into some stuff related to boys' basketball as well, all when Chad is with us here on this Monday edition of the show. That's the lineup brought to you by Honey Baked Tam in New Albany. Stop by today for a delicious lunch. They've got great sandwiches, salads, and soups that are made fresh daily, and they'll surely satisfy any craving you have. You might even find something else to take home as they have a variety of dinner packages. Give Honey Baked Tam in New Albany a try. I think you'll be glad that you did. Uh, Thornton's text line is open. That number is 502-414-1450. Again, 502-414-1450. You can sound off. Keep it respectful, obviously, uh, but love to hear your thoughts. And do you agree with my thought that this was the worst loss for this um, Indiana basketball team under Mike Woodson? Anything else you'd like to talk about today or questions you'd like me to bring up with our guest, uh, the Thornton's text line is a great way to communicate during the show, 502-414-1450. Take out your phone, save it in there, 502-414-1450. If you're looking for an icy cold thirst quencher to keep your day going in the right direction, right now at Thornton's, all 32-ounce fountain drinks and smaller are only 89 cents. You heard it right, only 89 cents. So come in today and grab a fountain drink from Thornton's and send us a text on the Thornton's text line. All right, let's get into some Hoosier headlines, a summary of the day's top IU and Southern Indiana sports news. Um, I don't know where to begin with the Indiana uh, loss. uh, Penn State, I thought, had much better three-point shooting. Uh, Indiana's defense, not good. Indiana's guard play was not good. Um... And again, as I look at some of the articles in front of me, uh, pretty generally, this is being referred to as the worst loss of Mike Woodson's time uh, at Indiana. Um, I I just don't get some of the things that are going on or don't go on at times with this Indiana team, but an 85-71 home loss to Indiana Uh, to a a very much dismal Penn State team uh, coming off a win was Indiana over Iowa. And I understand injuries, I understand that sort of thing, but, uh, man, some of this stuff is not getting better as the season goes on. In fact, I think you can make the argument that it's getting worse. So uh, definitely, 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 as you look ahead, uh, especially with some of the remaining Big Ten Conference games, uh, Indiana finds himself in a really, really bad situation. And you wonder um, how bad could this get if they're going to lose at home to Penn State. Obviously, it's possible they bounce back and they're going to win a couple. Probably we don't think that they will, but how bad could this get? I saw a Ken Palm um, estimation of predictions of IU's remaining games in the regular season in the Big Ten Conference, and Indiana projected to win none of those games, including a rematch with Penn State a little bit later in the year, which obviously after a loss to him would be the expected uh, prediction. But that tells you uh, the worst case scenario is Indiana continues to tank. I'm not going to say tank. I'm going to say continues to tank, and they would lose out the rest of the games, which would, I think, be a very serious issue for Indiana basketball. Uh, But we'll see how it plays out. Not a good spot. Um, and I tell you what, really, the local teams right now, uh, you know, Louisville did get a big win over the weekend. Tough season, obviously, for the Cardinals. A lot of unknown about 
what's going to happen with Kenny Payne. Kentucky uh, really surprised me with a loss again at home to Tennessee. Uh, two losses at Rupp Arena basically in the same week. I, that's, I'm sure that's happened before, but golly, I'd have to go back some time to ever remember that going on. Purdue really the only local this weekend that was able to get a win, and it was a come-from-behind 75-69 win at the Kohl Center against number six Wisconsin. So a humongous win here in February for the Boilermakers, who are second ranked in the country. And Zach Eady, uh, obviously a great game. I think on his uh, second block of the day, he became the third player in NCAA history to uh, score 2,000 points, to pull down 1,000 rebounds and 200 blocks while shooting 60 cents. 60% or better uh, from the field during his career. The other two players that have reached those stats, uh, Patrick Ewing and David Robinson. So uh, I don't know what Edie's career will look like in the NBA. I'm, I'm assuming he'll uh, get an opportunity to play. But uh, wow, what company he is in, at least right now, with Patrick Ewing and Dave, David Robinson. But Purdue really the only bright spot. A couple of weeks ago, I said that I thought locally that Purdue and Kentucky both had a chance to make the Final Four, um, but Kentucky has tailed off some. It's going to be interesting to see what happens with them the rest of the way. Um, and I, I like to see the locals make it. I know there are lots of IU people that just despise Purdue and uh, don't want to see them ever uh, surpass Indiana or reach a Final Four. Uh, but I think it's better. The area is great for basketball. It only creates more interest when you've got one or multiple local teams that are making deep postseason runs, but I really feel, I mean, I, you know, Purdue lost to a 16 seed, what, a couple of years ago, so obviously it's possible, but I, I just really feel like this is a year that Purdue at least gets to the uh, Final Four. It's hard to see any other alternative, but again, crazier things have happened. Just look at some of the Boilermakers' past NCAA tournament failures for sure. Uh, little high school basketball. I want to spend some time talking about girls' basketball for just a moment. Uh, got some time on Saturday to go to West Washington and the Borden-Lanesville game. I know we had kind of teased that game a lot the last couple weeks since the pairings came out. And there's nothing better than postseason basketball. Um, just It's just different. And um, I, I thought that would be a good one, and I was wrong. Lanesville is even better than I thought, better than I had heard. And I think Lanesville is going to be, uh, I can't imagine, a 1A basketball team in Indiana that will be able to knock them off. I think uh, just looking ahead and not knowing a lot about some of their future opponents, I think not only can Lanesville win a 1A state championship, but I think they can cruise in most situations to a 1A state championship. So just a couple thoughts on the game from Saturday, more so uh, just kind of about Hoosier hysteria in general. Number one, West Washington, to be a school that's in our reasonable area, Clark Floyd, then you would expand to Harrison and Washington. Um, it's a gym that I haven't been to a lot over the years. I think I broadcast one girls regional game back many, many years ago when I was first getting into some of this stuff. But I know the A D Darren Russell, he does a great job, uh, but just kind of a little out there. It's not a place that you know I, I go often for sports or for uh, anything else. But what a cool gym! I had forgotten how neat the kind of the bowl uh, appearance, the bowl look of West Washington is. I didn't get there until just before game time. I was thanks, thanks, thankfully to, because of Mr. Russell able to get a seat. Uh, but what a great environment! 
What a great gymnasium. What a great job hosting that sectional West Washington does from hospitality to media to their broadcasting. They have a web stream that is top-notch with multiple camera angles. Just very, very impressed with my trip to West Washington on Saturday night. Uh, Again, very impressed with Lanesville. Uh, I I mentioned that I think they are the state champion. Uh, And impressed with Borden. They've got some talent. I don't think they played their best game uh, in a big stage, on a big stage but they've got some bright, bright years ahead of them uh, the next couple of years especially. I think Borden will have a legitimate chance to win that sectional and maybe make some noise of their own in the state tournament. So uh, that that was encouraging there. But just a great night. Both fan bases should be commended. Lanesville obviously has had a lot of practice uh, with their girls team being so good now. Uh, Borden, obviously just a wonderful place for high school sports. Toby Cheatham saw him Saturday. That fan base is a special one here in southern Indiana, but just an outstanding game. The only thing that really wasn't good was the score once we got mm, basically from halftime on. So everything else that was set up for a March Madness feel and just a lot of fun and great to see the girls get that opportunity to play in that kind of environment with that kind of crowd. It was it was really, really cool on Saturday night. I wish Lanesville the best of luck. A couple other things to point out, you know, Angie Hinton coaching Lanesville. What an outstanding job that she does. Joe Hinton on the bench continuing to be very active, you can tell, in timeouts and with his ideas that he shares with his wife, Angie. Uh, what a great team. What a bunch of success that they've had. Joe Hinton at Floyd Central, even at Providence there for a bit. Obviously, Angie Hinton going back to New Albany. Joe was involved in there in that operation, that program as well. And now then North Harrison and now Lanesville. It's just they've been able to build programs uh, through and through over the years. It's just just amazing. So um, yeah, just what a pair and uh, great to see them still coaching it up, still on the sideline and still going strong for sure. But a really, really uh, fun Saturday night. Uh, in uh, Campbellsburg for that 1A championship game. The other thing I wanted to mention from the girls' tournament on Saturday from the sectionals, unbelievable that Bedford-North Lawrence uh, beat Jennings County and won their 13th straight 4A sectional championship. Jeff Allen, he's one of the guys, one of the coaches here locally that I don't know well. Maybe I've interviewed him a couple times. Definitely have, have communicated with him some over the years. But just unbelievable, the BNL girls basketball program. They are the standard in the Hoosier State. And I know a lot of people think after this year they've got Chloe Spring that's going to Alabama and some other really good players that uh, Bedford will drop off potentially some in girls basketball. But Coach Allen has been amazing. And this was a year where they did not beat Jennings County in the regular season. The Panthers were the favorite to win it. Everybody that I talked to, other coaches in that sectional, all thought Jennings would ultimately be uh, crowned sectional champion. And I just was shocked to get cell service back on my way out of West Washington Saturday night and see that Bedford uh, was able to beat number five ranked Jennings County. A real shocker to me. Now, Bedford's still good, so it's not a huge upset, but definitely I did not see that one coming. Uh, But I think 13 sectional championships in a row 
is just amazing. I mean, just hard to even comprehend, to be honest. So uh, we'll see what Bedford can do now. They just seem to be a postseason team that is able to uh, find a way. I think they get to host the regional. Of course, just a one-game regional. Don't forget that. Uh, still getting used to that new format with uh, boys and girls and really a lot of sports, just a one-game regional. Semi-states are now two games, but uh, Bedford-North Lawrence with a uh, big, big win on Saturday night over Jennings County. And that really, from a local perspective, is uh, how things look for local teams. Uh, Charlestown was in the championship against Scottsburg uh, and uh, Scottsburg winning that game. But uh, uh, that's basically a wrap outside of Lanesville for some of our local teams moving forward. That's a look at our headlines. Who's your headlines for this Monday edition of the program? Uh, love to hear from you. 502-414-1450. Again, 502-414-1450. That is the Thornton's text line. As we go to break, I do want to give a shout out, to, as I do every year, Floyd County Elementary Basketball League Championships were yesterday at Scribner Middle School in New Albany. And I want to give a shout out to the winners. It's a program that we run at Floyd County Parks and recreation, kind of a partnership with the New Albany Floyd County School Corporation. But on the boys' side, Georgetown, a perfect regular season, uh, very dominant in the county tournament as well this weekend. They won the boys' uh, championship. Cason uh, Berry, he's a player to watch in the future, just a fourth grader, uh, but always fun to look at some of the youngsters coming up that are good right now. We hope good in the future. Uh, he was named the Kenny Sinkhorn Boys Most Valuable Player, that award named after Mr. Sinkhorn, who uh, founded and ran for many years the uh, New Albany Mini League that so many people, at least in New Albany and Floyd County, played in. Uh, the girls' side of things, a little bit of a surprise. A grant line uh, upset Georgetown in the championship game. Ava Hicks was named the Wayne Timms Most Valuable Player. That name, uh, that uh, MVP named after Wayne, who founded the Floyd Central Mini League with Joe Hinton many years ago. And uh, Wayne has done so much for all basketball, but especially girls basketball opportunities here in southern Indiana. And so that uh, award for years now has been named after him. Uh, but uh, congratulations to the Grantline girls and the Georgetown boys. Uh, great atmosphere. They get to cut the nets down when they win. We make a big deal out of a county championship to help promote the importance of uh, scholastic or school-based athletics and to keep those uh, folks engaged as they move into middle school and high school, even if it's not basketball, uh, to have school pride and to uh, want to participate or maybe want to just be in the student section for uh, some of the games. But that was a lot of fun yesterday. Congrats to all the players from all nine schools that participated. It's a great program that uh, we at Floyd County Parks are sure proud to be involved involved with and uh, put forth for the community. But uh, it's always a fun day uh, to see uh, those third and fourth graders get a chance to play on a big stage. Randy John Fanya, the Floyd Central girls coach, he was there most of the day uh, talking to his future Highlander players. New Floyd coach Fonzo White, he spent a lot of time there on Sunday as well. Uh, he's really working hard to build a culture there at Floyd Central for the future. And uh, Coach Jones, of New Albany. Jason Jones spent some time there with me on Saturday and great to see him interact with some of the youngsters in New Albany. Packed house at Scribner, uh, just outstanding, kind of has a March Madness feel to it and 
really the girls sectionals and that the the elementary championships and in, in that weekend together kind of always is the kickoff really to postseason basketball for me so a lot of fun thanks to everybody that participated and uh, congrats to the winners for sure we'll head to a commercial break we're back with more here on this monday edition of the show we have zach osterman of the indianapolis star we'll talk indiana hoops and their woes Chad Gilbert from Charlestown coming up later. This is the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. I mean, I, I, yeah, maybe. Um, I mean, it's, it's probably one of them, obviously, the complexion of it. And I heard what you said about defense that, you know, I don't know that it was an effort thing on Saturday so much as I think it, it maybe exposed some of the limitations of this roster, um, you know, particularly without an Xavier Johnson, you know, frankly, um, and, and this is, you know, this is Monday morning quarterbacking. I recognize that, but I think you could tell Malik Renew was, was just not really kind of in a place in terms of, I think, his lateral quickness and playing through that ankle injury for Indiana to sustain the two big lineups that they wanted to run. Um, but it's also kind of hard to make an argument for going smaller when your sixth-year point guard is is on the bench with an elbow injury. Um, you know, I just – I think it was – listen, I, I, there will always be an intangibility to some of this. You know, I think Indiana probably – I think they led by double digits three times, three different times in the second half. They probably should have been able to put a little bit more space between them and Penn State. And Penn State, you know, to its credit, hit some – hit some threes that it probably doesn't normally hit and that kind of kept the game close. And then, you know, when it, when it kind of turned into a battle in the second half, Indiana just sort of shrank from it. And in that respect, I think that's where maybe it, it probably does run. Trading Woodson's tenure. It's not the first time we've seen this team kind of step up to a stage like that and, and just not really have that, that intangible fight. But I also think that you saw a roster that was just very limited in terms of, you know, um, not being able to be kind of one thing or the other, you know, play bigger and punish teams for that, but also play smaller and, and, you know, sort of match up a little bit better. If you understand what I'm saying, I just think it was a, a game that probably sort of exposed, you know, where Indiana is right now as, as a roster. Talking with Zach Osterman of the Indianapolis star. Uh, I really don't know where to start as far as some of the negatives that continue to be a real challenge for this Indiana team. I think I'll start with guard play, Zach. I know this is a topic that you and I have talked about uh, many times, multiple times for sure here on your segment each week. But the guard play for Indiana, it continues to just be, um, I don't know, just underwhelming, uh, not good, uh, inconsistent. There are probably a lot of other words we can use to describe the lack of success from Indiana's uh, backcourt. No, I think that, I think that's all probably broadly fair. Uh, I mean, I think it, it you know, I mean, I, I kind of wrote something after the game on Saturday that just sort of said, you know, barring something, you know, heretofore unseen in terms of this team's ability to, to go out and string together some some really positive results the, the season's effectively over by but and that's by indiana's own you know ambitions making the ncw tournament competing for big 10 titles those kinds of things and listen you know i guess to zoom out for just a moment like teams have to be allowed programs have to be allowed to have down years and people like you and me had these conversations through the offseason saying hey indiana's intriguing there's a lot of talent here they're going to be young 
you know, Mike Woodson could fashion this into something different, but at the same time, you know, you don't always get better for losing all of the production and all the experience Indiana lost last, last season. So there's an extent to which we can look at this and say, hey, like we, you know, th- this wasn't necessarily a, you know, a, a, um, an outlier of a result for this team. If you ran like a thousand simulations of this season, this was always a possibility. But I think that, that one of the things that is probably fair in terms of, you know, again, going back to at least, I guess I, I would, I would defend it as fair because I wrote it on Saturday. One of the lessons that has to be learned from this season is not just guard, um, performance but also just depth and and you know kind of the idea of impact guard depth and listen it's it's tough when you know Xavier Johnson has only played 14 games he's had two separate injuries now um you know in and and you've had to put um you know Gabe Cups in some some roles that you probably wouldn't have necessarily you know kind of expected to and I think at times he's he's stepped up to that plate and at times he struggled like any freshman would, but there's also, you know, I mean, for example, Indiana has got to, to stop messing around with this whole idea that it's not going to shoot a lot of threes or it's not going to make a lot of, like Indiana just got to be a better three point shooting team. And I know that it, 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 I'm the one who for years has said, Hey, it's not that simple. You got to do this and you got to do this, but it's been seven years. And at some level, you've just got to draw a line in the sand and say, we're going to go out and recruit shooters. We're going to shoot the ball more. We can't do this offensively. We can't run this style that's so reliant on twos. And, and it's just sort of so easy to outrun and outscore. And a lot of that comes down to guard play because ultimately guards tend to be the ones that shoot threes. And to be fair, also make free throws, which is, of course, another issue for Indiana. And I guess my underlying point here is, you know, that does have to be one of the lessons of this season is that you've got to find a way to get your guard rotation to a place where it can't be undermined, you know, just by Trey Galloway shooting under last season's three-point percentage and Xavier Johnson having injury issues. You know, there's, there's got to be more depth to it, more layers, more dynamics, you know, more, more sort of, you know, opportunities and different things. It's just, it's, it's got to work that way it's got to be better. And, and I don't, you know, you're kind of in a position now where again, it it does feel like a lot of this season's ambitions are probably beyond this team, but in terms of building forward, that's got to be one of those things that Indiana finds a way to make a little bit more non-negotiable. Talking IU basketball with Zach Osterman of the Indianapolis star. Thornton's text line is open 502-414-1450. A couple other texts that we'll get to here in just a few moments. Um, Zach, I want to ask you, you know, you've spent a lot of time in Indiana covering uh, IU basketball and watching basketball throughout the state. I think in the resounding thing I hear about Indiana's shooting woes, and I know you you just touched on that, but um, how are we from a state where basketball is king and you can look at basically each and every high school graduating class and find outstanding shooters and some go to play at other high major program some maybe play at the mid-major level and some you know aren't aren't talented enough to play at, at a high major or a division one level even but I think that the location of where we're at and how many good shooters are around us in this geographic area probably adds to the question mark about you talked about drawing the line into the sand and saying we're going after shooters we're going to increase that as a part of our team in the recruiting process 
I think that's got people even more perplexed uh, because this is Indiana. This is a basketball state where there's still goals and a lot of driveways, and uh, everybody dreams of playing for the state school still in many regards, and there are great shooters out of the state. So I guess the in-state situation with how many good players come through here, does that maybe maybe make it more frustrating for fans to know that what's missing from the state school's college team? Yeah, I mean, probably to some extent. And listen, I, I, I think it 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 becomes one of those arguments that that you feel like kind of gets bogged down in, in sort of the the cultural versus the practical, in the sense that like don't just recruit kids from the state because you think they might shoot. Like just go find good shooters. And and I don't just want to use Purdue as the example because I think there's there's a lot of sort of like parallel conversations about what make Indiana and Purdue different jobs in some ways and and similar jobs in others. But, like, you know, I mean, Purdue's had really good shooters from outside the state in the last, you know, I mean, I, I Dakota Mathias comes to mind. Obviously, they've had good shooters from in the state, too, like Ron Klein and, and you know, and, and Fletcher Lawyer at times, and obviously Braden Smith more recently. But, you know, I mean, Carson Edwards is a perfectly good shooter, obviously a volume shooter, but also a, a very talented shooter. I think he was something like a 37 38% three-point shooter for his career. I mean, he's from Texas. Um, it's just kind of one of those where it's just, you know, I, I think – anymore it, it it feels like it's it's got to be even more fundamental than just saying you know go find kids from the state that can shoot just go find guys that can shoot you know just just like in and and you know maybe you know part of this too is also going to be in place more emphasis on it in player development place more emphasis on it in offensive development and, and an offensive sort of scheme and style and this isn't just mike woodson this goes back to archie miller as well you know, this this kind of straddles multiple tenures now. It, it does feel like it's becoming something almost existential. And I think your point is fair that, yes, when you have such a robust high school basketball culture in your state, there's always going to be sort of a, when there are when there are, are obvious sort of skills missing off your roster, there will always be an extent to which people sort of feel like, OK, well, why can't you go find that when, you know, in theory, it's just right there in your backyard. Um, but you know, in the same breath, and I'm, I'm, I won't even necessarily, you know, pick on this year's team or anything like that. I mean, I've seen Indiana recruit kids from the state that came to Indiana with good shooting reputations. Again, I'm going back to Archie Miller's tenure and, and those guys, you know, didn't always sustain it. Those, it wasn't always kind of consistently there. You've just got to find a way. And again, I know that I'm the I'm what I'm I'm becoming one of these people that's just sitting there saying, well, just figure it out, and that's not a solution. That's not constructive. But you've got to find a way in, in modern basketball. You just have to find a way to shoot threes better. I mean, and, and I again, I know that's not. I understand that that's that's a bit of an oversimplification, but I'm on Ken Palm right now. If you know, we're if we're looking at the top three-point shooting teams in the country, um, you know, you're talking about Baylor, you're talking about Kentucky, you're talking about Purdue, Indiana State, Dayton, Northwestern's been really good this year. Not every one of these teams is shooting great, but Ole Miss or, or is winning with this, but Ole Miss, Alabama, Duke, you know, a Miami team that's kind of starting to pull some things together in the ACC. It, 
the teams that are winning are the teams that are, are finding ways to consistently shoot the ball well more often than not. And Indiana has just got to get back to that place if it wants to compete long-term for, um, you know, the ambitions that, that we're talking about here and the, 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 the stuff that it wants to win. Zach Osterman, the Indianapolis star. Zach, I want to close with this. I'm pretty sure I saw a graphic somewhere on social media listing Ken Palm predictions for the rest of IU's schedule after the loss on Saturday. And I think the rest of the way Ken Palm at least predicts Indiana to lose every game. I'm obviously don't think that will be the case, but that is where things are at or the possibility of uh, how bad things could get here for Indiana moving forward this month. If there aren't some uh, clear and decisive changes. Yeah. I mean, it, it is, it is kind of worth reminding people that the, the, you know, I mean, like if, if you look at like Indiana's Kim Palm profile specifically, you're right. They're they're an underdog in every single game from here, but it also still projects them to win three more games. It's sort of one of those where basically, if you go on a game by game basis, Indiana's the underdog. If you look at sort of the aggregate statistics, and again, if we like ran these these simulations a thousand times, um, you know, how many games would Indiana win? Well, they, you know, on the balance, they'd still win three games. If that kind of makes sense, it's, it's sort of like game-by-game game numbers versus like the aggregate of what you can expect a reasonable sort of large-scale outcome to be. But I, I don't think it's unfair to kind of just generally look at Indiana at, at this moment in time and, you know, look at some of these players and, and you know, particularly like, I mean, listen, when, when you're in a place Indiana's in, they've lost six of nine since um, – since the year turned and, and Big Ten play restarted, they've lost four of their last five. The only one of those four that they even lost by single digits was the eight-point loss at Illinois. Um, they are clearly struggling, and I think that you know everybody's kind of got to have some conversations about what do you want from the rest of this season. And the thing is, you know, when you're a team like Indiana, that's always going to be a little bit. Di- you know, what Xavier Johnson wants from the rest of the season is different from what Khalil Ware wants. Is different from what Anthony Walker wants. Is different from what Malik Renew wants because individually, they're all looking at, at, you know, these next two months or I guess maybe month and a half, and they're seeing sort of different ambitions and different outcomes for guys that are out of eligibility or might have a draft decision to make or whatever it might be. But you have to kind of come to a collective consensus where guys just fight for it because, you know, it, it you the worst thing you can do is just kind of lay down. And, and I know that that's should probably kind of go without saying, um, but the the worst thing that you can do is is just sort of say, um, you know, there's no, there's sort of nothing left in, in this season for us, and I think that that's what makes you know, I, I, the Purdue game is probably kind of its own thing, although obviously it's a rivalry game, so you, you sort of figure that out, but. I would look at three of these next four, the Ohio State game on the road against obviously an Ohio State team that's probably in a pretty pretty similar place at this point, and then those two home games against Nebraska and Northwestern and just kind of say like, hey, what you know, what does Indiana kind of have left? And and you know, can Indiana pull itself together and, and you know, put together something meaningful, something um, you know, impactful to the rest of the season and just kind of where where are we um where are we taking, I guess not we, not you and me, but, but you know, if, if, I'm, if I'm in the room with Indiana, where are we 
taking the rest of the season? What do we want out of it? And how do we get that together, if that makes sense? Absolutely. Zach Osterman, the Indianapolis Star. Zach, thank you for the chat today. And uh, we'll talk next week and see where things are headed. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, as always. Yes, Zach Osterman of the Indianapolis Star, my guest. A couple texts on the Thornton's text line I want to get to. Texter says, being able to shoot the ball is not an oversimplification. It's a must until they can shoot from 15 out, 15 feet out. Uh, they will continue to struggle. Thank you, Texter, for the uh, thought. Also, another message. If Woodson couldn't get past the first weekend with TJD, should we really expect him to do much with this group? Yeah, last year, obviously, you look back at uh, TJD, the rookie season he's had, the opportunities he's gotten. Obviously, Jalen hood I know he's battled some injuries with the Lakers, but a lot of talent on that team last season, especially as you look back from this juncture of this season and realize uh, how fun and special that group was to watch and cover. We'll head to a commercial break. Chad Gilbert of Charlestown High School, the athletic director there and IHSA executive board member. He'll join us next. We'll talk local sports here in Clark and Floyd counties on the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. Five zero two four one four fourteen fifty again five zero two four one four fourteen fifty Chad Gilbert athletic director at Charlestown High School IHSAA executive board member he's with us Mondays as we do our best to put the focus on local sports and Chad this time of year girls state tournament underway boys basketball coming down the home stretch lots of other topics to follow no problem putting the spotlight here on clark and floyd county schools and athletes it's a busy busy time oh man it's it's hard to believe you know we got one week down the girls state tournaments wrestling is in semi-state this week so that means winter sports are wrapping up and spring sports are on deck it's, it's hard to believe how quick time goes uh we had we hosted a great sectional up here matt uh scottsburg was in it they came out on top. They will be here in the regional Saturday, Scottsburg against Greensburg. And that's the 4 o'clock game. The 1 o'clock game is Brownstown versus South Spencer. So we hope to have the place rocking, good crowd up here. If any fans are out there want to see good games, be in a good atmosphere, Charlestown's going to be a spot to be on Saturday. Chad, you know, it's still taking some time for me to get used to, okay, you won a sectional championship the regional is just a one-game deal. It's not a morning and afternoon or a morning-evening two-game, one-day format like it has been for years. I think my initial thought at the end of last high school season was I like the change. I love the fact that more communities, hopefully here locally for us, are involved later and later into the tournament. It just creates more school pride, more attendance, more interest in general. But it's still here in these early years going to take some getting used to. I'm so used to, okay, you know, what's the format for Saturday? Who's Who plays first? Who plays second? Uh, that's, still, that's still taking a little getting used to. Well, it, Matt, basically what it did is it flip-flopped the way the semi-state and regional used to be. The regional was two games in the morning, one in the evening. That's your regional champ. You go to the semi-state, and you play one game. So now that's kind of flip-flopped, and the regional is kind of like that. You play one game, and you advance to the semi-state where you'll play a morning game and an afternoon game to decide who's going to go to the state finals. One change that was made this year, which I think is a good change, is last year – we had three eighteenth, and so what that meant is we had Gibson Southern and uh, Princeton both come two hours 
to play each other. They're 30 minutes apart, Matt. So what we've done this year at the IHSA has made this where it's more local to the site. So in other words, we have a 2A and a 3A game here. Other sites have 2A or 1A and 3A games, uh, 2A and such. Bedford has both 4As. So what they try to do is made it kind of regional close where people fans can get there and they can also stay in route for both teams. So I think it'll be a lot of fun, a lot of excitement and great crowds. Talking with Chad Gilbert, athletic director at Charlestown and also IHSA executive board member. Yep, I, I think that makes a lot of sense. I like that. You know, I want to protect the much as much as we can the the style, the format, the history of the game in our state. I know some people will argue class basketball and one class basketball, that's probably a discussion we could have for an entire week. But um, I am for making changes that are best for the future because I think we have to uh, be willing to change and look ahead and uh, keep the game relevant. So these things are worth tinkering with, Chad, I think. And you guys have had really a full agenda of things to look at at the state level on what is best for the future of high school basketball and really every sport here in Indiana. And, and that's the one thing. It's, it's trying to make things better. This allows more teams, like you said, mentioned earlier, Matt, more teams advance, more communities get an opportunity to follow their teams, build more community support. More teams say, you know, they've had a chance to say they've won a regional. Is it the same? Probably not as one class sport. But you can you can trace that back also and say, all right, it used to be, it used to mean something when somebody could score a 1,000 points. Not that it doesn't now. But you were scoring 1,000 points in a 20-game season. You had that over the course of a career, Matt. You had three more games to a kid's schedule, and they play varsity for three years. That's 12 more games. And, you know, things have just changed. You know, it used to be unheard of you'd see a freshman on the varsity team. Now you see freshmen on the varsity team all the time. So kids change, sports change. Uh, you got to adapt. you got to make it where the association has, has changed to kind of fill those needs and not – not just kind of stay stagnant. And I think the commissioner Knight has done an excellent job with that. Chad Gilbert, my guest, talking local sports. Chad, we can't forget the boys' season rolls along. New Albany Providence on Friday night is where the Big X will be. Looking forward to being at Providence. I think uh, a Bulldog team that likes to get up and down, a Providence team that will guard you hard every single possession. It should be a good contrast of styles. And I know we've got other good games this weekend. So the boys Friday and some Saturday night, uh, the girls get the focus on Saturday with the regionals. It's a great weekend of high school hoops coming up. You know, you, you talked about that game, interesting game. We go to Floyd Central, Matt, on Friday, so I won't be able to see Providence. As you know, I'm very familiar with Providence because of Noah Lovin on the team. And watching them play throughout the year, I've seen them probably 15 times when you count video and such. I've watched you all me a couple of times. This is where, you know, Coach Jones has to be careful at New Albany. He's not played against Providence. Anybody can watch Providence on film and say, ah, yeah, they, they guard you. They're hard to go against. That's different than when you go against them. They just shut your water off, man. I mean, defensively, they just shut your water off and make it really tough. It's hard to simulate that practice in practice, and it's hard if you've never coached against it. I mean, it, it's hard to go against. When we played those Providence teams, when Lou was the coach over there, Matt, we felt like that we were going to try to press them from buzzer to buzzer. One, because I felt like once they beat the press, they'd circle the wags out and make us run a little, play a little defense. 
they they limit the possession so I could gamble a little bit. Two, I'd hope that it wore them out a little bit as the game went on, where some of their shots, some of their decision making, kind of kind of wore them out a little bit as, as time went on. And to think about that, how good they were. We went to the semi-state my last year with the boys, with Daryl Baker and that crew, Drew Ellis. And we got out of there. Daryl hit one from the volleyball line. And we went by one at the buzzer. That just shows you how tough of a place that place is to play and how tough that style is to go against. Chad, you know, it's funny. You mentioned playing against Providence, and uh, you got to play them to, to get it, especially the first time. Um, you know, I've had a lot of coaches, or a handful. Uh, we all know people around the state, and Providence has made some runs. Uh, coaches will call and say, hey, I know this Providence team is in your backyard. What's the scouting report, or, or what do you think? And obviously, I want to see all of our locals advance, so you never want to give anything away. But I tell coaches, you can watch Providence on film all you want, and you can try to pick up their sets and uh, their style and all that kind of stuff, identify their key shooters. But until you've played against their defense and the intensity that they're willing to bring, the physicality at times they're willing to bring at times, it, it's something that uh, you're right, a film doesn't do justice. Uh, you got to be there to see it in person. Oh, and you know, man, that's, you think about any Kentucky team that comes over. You know, typically when you play a Kentucky team, they just play. They're not much of a scout involved in anything like it is in Indiana. Kentucky team comes over and play Providence. Providence going to win nine out of ten times unless they're just overly out-talented. Um, you think about these summer tournaments and Charlie Hughes and different things like that. If you don't think Providence is going in there prepared to who the other team is, they're just not going up there to play. They're going up there to shut your water off. Teams aren't used to that. They always have success. That's a tough style to play, tough style to coach, uh, but a successful style, Matt. Chad Gilbert with me Mondays here on the show. Chad, I know you've been busy. You've got your AD duties during the day. You've got all the hosting of sectionals and now regionals, and you guys uh, continue to earn good marks for uh, representing Southern Indiana basketball well there at Charlestown, hosting some of these big postseason opportunities. I hope you have a great crowd on Saturday. Hope you get a couple great games, and uh, we'll catch up with you very soon. Matt, I appreciate it. I hope everybody goes out and supports their teams. We have a lot of teams in the area that have advanced, and we hope uh, our crowds go out. And You know, these last couple weeks, as boys basketball wraps up, goes out and supports them, too. Matt, one last thing. Miss Amy's last day was at Charlestown Friday. 17 years of teaching. She's out. Edward Jones is who she's working with now, so she, I'm excited for her new adventures. Good stuff. Chad Gilbert with us on Mondays. That's going to wrap things up for this Monday show. Uh, back with you Tuesday. This is the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison.